Hey guys, welcome back to a spooky dookie episode of Fan Holes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined tonight by two, count them, two of my fellow core metal enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, this is Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony and Tatoba, Tatobaatoba. Heishin. So we are here. We're doing our continuing month of fan holes, Fright Fest Two, Electric Boogaloo, and in our ongoing fan holes Fright Fest coverage, we are now on to Toku Thursdays. And we decided we're going to be doing two Halloween-themed episodes of Kamen Rider and Ultraman. So, without further ado, we selected Kamen Rider O's Episode 9, which is titled Soaked the Past and the Scorching Combo. And this originally aired in October 31st, 2010. And I will go ahead and read off a prepared synopsis. And then we'll sit down and discuss the episode a bit. At the Kus Kusier, Hina forces Ankh to feed her brother's body something more nutritious than ice treats during the Halloween party. Eiji teases Ankh for having to eat bird meat when the owner, Chiyoko Shirashi, comes by and compliments Ankh's greed arm, thinking it is part of his Halloween costume. Meanwhile, Erika Satanaka of the Kagumi Foundation arrives in a catgirl costume to collect the 10-cell medals that Eiji borrowed the other day. Ankh doesn't want to pay them back, but when Erika threatens him with the interest accrual rate, he quickly provides the 10-cell medals, even though it causes him great pain. The party, an opening sequence, comes to an abrupt end when an explosion is heard and Eiji discards his Dracula costume to run out and investigate. Eiji, followed by Hina, finds a crowd of bystanders near a destroyed car. Although Hina thinks this might be an accident, Eiji hears the countdown of another car bomb and tells the bystanders to flee. Oddly, the bomb is like a water balloon that soaks the crowd when it explodes. Eiji then sees a strange man nearby with a puppet on his shoulder, who places a cell metal in his jacket pocket. At Ankh's direction, Eiji lets the Taka Kandroids lead him to the location of the shark-finned Yumi, or Same Yumi. Eiji transforms into Kamen Rider O's to fight the Yumi, realizing during their battle that it is connected to the water balloon explosion from before, as it has the ability to swim through concrete floors and other flat surfaces. Although the Same Yumi escapes before O's can pursue, Ankh is confident this Yumi was created by his fellow greed, Mezul. 
Eiji is troubled when he hears the Sameyumi is feeding on someone's desire to destroy things. Meanwhile, Gamel, Uva, and Mazul feast on the cell metals from the Sameyumi without their fellow greed, Kazari. Kazari is concerned that Kamen Rider Oz has his lion medal and suspects that someone else is collecting core medals. The next day, Eji learns of another bomb attack from Hina and discloses his own personal experience with bombings he was caught up in during his travels. As Eiji goes after the Sameyumi, we learn in flashback that he failed to save a young girl he befriended in a war-torn country. Eiji becomes Kamen Rider O's, and his failure to stop the Yumi is paralleled with his failure to stop the explosion. Ankh arrives on the scene of the battle and supplies O's with the Taka, Tora, and Cheetah core medals. Although Cheetah speed puts O's on even grounds with the Yumi, Mazul and Gamal show up to smack around O's and protect Mazul's Yumi. Although combos are dangerous, Oz uses the lion metal to become Kamen Rider Oz. Lato Rock Tar combo? Kamen Rider Oz then sells some fish sausage in a commercial break! <laughs> When we return from the break, the light from the combo gravely injures Mazul. Ankh manages to steal four of Mazul's core medals before Gamal manages to escape with his mistress. Meanwhile, Kamen Rider Oz destroys the Sameyumi with the Leo Diaz scanning charge. Soon after, as Ankh takes the core medals from an exhausted Eiji, he sees the man with the puppet. The puppet man denies being behind the Yumi's and the bombings. Ankh can at least confirm the puppet man is not the Yumi's parent due to his greed senses. The puppet man does reveal he knows the identity of the bomber and has been observing the power of O's from behind the scenes. The puppet man plays mysterious with Ankh and Eiji, but we later learn that he is... Kogami Foundation scientist Kyoto Maki, head of the Kogami Biotech Laboratory, President Kosei Kagami, who has a fetish for birthday cakes, celebrates the 10th year of the Biotech Laboratory from a view screen carried by his assistant Erika. We end on a cliffhanger as the real bomber, Toru Dano, is busy building a new bomb as a new Yumi is about to hatch. And that is the synopsis for episode 9 of Common Rider O's. What did you guys think of this episode? I know Tony is a huge fan of Common Rider O's. I think he was the first person who mentioned to me his passion and joy for O's. And I would say that I, I have not completed watching this series, but I think... When we decided to do an episode of Common Rider O's for Fanholes Fright Fest, I did start watching the series in earnestness, and I really, really like it. So I, I think it's a good call, man. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know a lot of people who listen to the show frequently probably think of me as the Gaim guy, because we did the whole, whole series of Gaim. But even though I really do enjoy Gaim, and it's an excellent series, O's was like the first thing I watched for me as like 
no one suggested it. I'd already watched, you know, some common writer, you know, Heisei. And I was like, what looks cool? And one of the movies I watched, Oz was like the other character. Like he was, you know, it was one of the generational ones. I was like, Oz looks pretty cool. So I started watching Oz and the dynamic with AG and, and Ankh and the greed are great villains. And it really does suck you in. I mean, I don't know if it's as deep as Gaim, but it does have some really good storytelling. And then the guy who plays AG is a great actor. The guy who plays Ankh is a great actor. And they, they really do pull you in. So like, I'm, I'm glad that you found some appreciation for this. And I know uh, Justin already liked those. He, he, he'd he watched it as well. Yeah, after Common Rider Double, uh, I think O's was, you know, like it's O's is actually the next show after that. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just go in order and watch this. And I think there were still several episodes left to be, you know, aired and stuff. But like by the time I caught up, it was, you know, it was over. But like, yeah, I, I really like O's. I really like, you know, like it, it's been so long since I like – watched those like it took me a minute to like instantly recall like the characters and their you know stories and interactions and everything but like as soon as like the opening theme music hit i was like oh yeah like oh those is awesome like i i really like that opening theme song and i also like the what would you call it the sound effects for like the o's belt like whenever it scans and it goes doom 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 ka-chong and all that stuff. Like, yeah. I think those are like really great sound effects. I love that. Like th- this will kind of like tell you how long ago this was, but like back when you could use, you know, MSN messenger on your, you know, computer, like I changed like some of my sound effects settings. And one of them was, you know, like the O's belt sound effects because I liked it so much, but there, there are a, a lot of like kind of weird and interesting characters in O's. And we see the introduction of, one of the most interesting in this episode, and that's Dr. Maki, you know, the guy with the weird puppet on his shoulder. And they yeah. they didn't they didn't mention it in this episode, but I think the puppet's name is actually Kyo Chan. And like I th- this is just one of those weird like toku things that like if you're not a fan or like not aware of like weird tropes and things that happen in Toku, if you if you saw this guy walking around with his arm bent and a puppet on his arm, you'd be like, What the hell is this? But like it I don't know what it is about that, but that's just like such a like bizarre and creepy thing that he's constantly he has like this puppet on his shoulder and he's talking to it. And sometimes it looks like, you know, it might be alive because you see like the eyes will constantly change. Like they're looking this way, and then the next thing they're looking that way, and you're like, Is the puppet alive? And of course they go into his backstory and they talk about like where Kyo Chan come from and everything, but like I just I was just like, oh yeah, this is the first appearance of Doctor Maki and his weird, like puppet thing. But like it, he's really interesting, and he he has like a lot more to do as the series yeah. gets into it. And I'm I'm not going to spoil it for Derek at all, but like D- Doctor Maki is definitely someone to watch for. And another character I like, and we saw her a little bit in in this episode is Hina Chan, and you know she's basically Ankh has possessed her brother. So she's all kind of like worried about her brother. You know, she's like, oh, like not only is my brother acting weird, but he's like he has this wacky new hairstyle where he looks like he's from like a boy band in Japan or something. And <laughs> he's he's always like, you know, you saw at the beginning, she's like going on about like, you know, like you got to stop eating ice cream. You're going to wreck my brother's body. But like what's what's interesting about her is like and you don't see it in this episode is like Hina-chan has like freakish strength. Like she's like Colossus or something, and she's like she's like 
constantly embarrassed about this because she'll get mad and do something like she'll lift like something way over her head without realizing it and everyone's kind of looking at her and she's like oh my god i did it again and she like runs away and everything but like i i, I like hannah chen yeah she looked really cute in this in this episode yeah. like i like the little the little costumes that they had and everything like she's kind of dressed like a, a sexy witch instead of a, a kind of uh you know wart on the nose green-faced witch it's like she's a little she's a little cute witch and like orange and black and everything like that and i i mean i've seen far enough into the show to know you know some of the directions that dr maki goes in and also you know obviously you know the the freakishly uh augmented strength of of hina you know like there i i think i watched an episode recently where she you know uh, a baseball a kid's baseball team's playing and they they you know hit the ball towards her in in the bleachers or something like that yeah, and she is trying to be friendly and 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 just throw it back to them but when she throws it back it like it basically penetrates the guy's baseball glove and it's like you know the 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 baseball railing gate is like on fire or whatever because of how hard she's thrown it and everything and it's like whoops sorry you know like that kind of thing so but yeah i mean i i i super enjoyed watching this i think this kind of this show falls into uh the category of kind of those discussions we've been having where this is a show that you can binge watch you know this oh. is a show that's that's got a, a complete narrative that you can you can quickly get addicted to and and fall into just watching episode after episode you know when it's in front of you and and have a good time doing it i think it it's certainly designed to to be watched that way and 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 there's not any i mean there's there's formula but but it's not formulaic in the sense that the the same things happen from episode to episode it's like there's there's a, a continuing narrative and you can kind of you know see different different paths and different kind of structures as you as you continue to watch the show and i thought it was interesting that you brought up the theme song because because my thing about the theme song was it kind of felt like watching like i don't know like no doubt or something or like some kind of ska it's music like it felt music, like yeah yeah it, it felt kind of like japanese ska music or something like that so I thought that was kind of interesting yeah a lot of horns and stuff and it is really like bouncy, yeah yeah, yeah. One, one of the things i like about the show is it has one of the, the least intrusive gimmicks as much as i like gaim and everything i didn't mind all the writers that's that's also one of the strengths of the show but like you know he would get like a, a lock seat and he like looks kind of different and with like o's he has three metals that's what charges his uh his henshin but any combination of those metals gives him like different abilities. Like, you know, but uh, Derek's talking about the lion, you know, like the, the greed was worried about him having his lion form. And like, you know, he has his cheetah, you know, legs that he can run really fast. And like, you know, I think that's like a really cool gimmick, you know, like depending on which way he mixes it up, he can be like a totally different hero in any given episode. Yeah, because he has like the, the grasshopper legs or the, like you said, the super fast cheetah legs or, you know, the, the thing that kind of made me that sort of blew my mind in terms of marketing and toys and all that stuff it's like a a, a suited larry's wet dream where i was like there's thousands of different combinations from those metals you know so you're like well that's potentially thousands of of action figures and toys and everything <laughs> all from the same guy i mean you talk about like you know street luge batman i mean this guy has you know, 50 million variations of, you know, street lujos, you know, pretty much at, at their disposal, you know, and they're all kind of part of the, 
the series at any given point in time. Yeah, I guess one thing we should mention as far as this being Halloween and spooky scary, even though they they are in this episode, they're throughout the whole thing. They're the main bad guys, more or less. There's some, you know, shakeups in various points of the storyline. I think the Greed are really good villains. They are kind of fucking scary. Yeah, I like the Greed. There's a a point, I think, towards the end of the series where I kind of like felt sorry for some of them because, you know, some of them have unfortunate fates. Like I, you know, as Tony says, as far as like modern villains go, like they're pretty interesting and I like their interactions they have with each other. I think that's really interesting too. Towards the end of the series, I was like, I'm kind of like, I was like, I'm going to miss some of these guys. And then some of them have kind of like maybe tragic endings. And I was like, Oh, I kind of, even though you've been a jerk for like 38 episodes or something like I right now, like I, I really feel sorry for you. What another thing that I really like and think is kind of fascinating is Ankh and the various relationships he has with other characters because basically Ankh is in it for himself, right? Like he wants to be fully restored. But in order to do that, he kind of has to like rely on EG and he really doesn't want to do that. Like he doesn't want to trust this kid with these core metals, you know? And then it's like he, he has like this, you know, he, he is agreed himself, of course. But he has like this antagonistic relationship with the other guys. Like he doesn't get along with them clearly either. And then he, you know, further into that, like I said earlier, he's possessing the body of Hina Chen's brother. So that kind of adds another layer to it. So like I was always kind of fascinating. Like, are they going to put another layer to Ankh, or like if they're going to pull something back towards the layer? Like, what's it? Like, what's he going to be this time? Because it's like you have all these different storylines and character connections going to Ankh, and I always thought that was really interesting. Yeah, he is really, really fascinating because he, he is one of those characters where, by and large, he's kind of a jerk. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, he he's kind of <laughs> like the star scream of, like, I say common writer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he, he's very treacherous at points. I mean, like, he is not what you would call a good guy. Like you said, he's agreed. But damn, like I said, it's the actor, I guess, the way he's able to pull it off. He's also just oddly likable. He's just so... Yeah, he, he really is. Like, yeah, just suave. You know, you're just like, you, you want to hate him. He's the guy you love to hate, you know? <laughs> yeah, and and there's definitely points in this series where you're just like, oh, like, man, like, why can't why can't EG and, like, Ankh, like, get along and be friends? Like, that would be cool. And there are times when they definitely are on the same page and, like, working together, but usually, usually one is, like, giving the other one a hard time yeah yeah because of course Ankh is not at full power and eg has like you know all these powers as as common writer owes and you know Ankh wants his power back but he also realizes not being strong enough to go against the other greed because the greed don't like Ankh either it, it's you know it's, it's kind of funny like Ankh's a greed and he's a bad guy but he's made enemies with the greed too so he's like he's the outcast he's not safe really anywhere <laughs> based on what you've seen of Ankh what, what do you think of him I mean, I like the character. I, I think I think he, he does have a lot of layers, kind of like what Justin was describing before, because you've got someone who is, you know, you've got the actor who's playing the, the police detective brother, you know, and, and he seems almost kind of straight-laced when, when he's in that form, that identity. You know, his hair goes back to looking normal and everything, but then when the glove comes on, it's like he's possessed by... Onk, and the reason why they have to stay that way is kind of it's a it's a mutually beneficial symbiosis, I guess, because if if he 
you know, if the, the glove stays off of the brother for too long, then then he'll die. Yeah, he, you know? he so it's like they're, yeah. yeah, and so so that's that's you know basically why you know it becomes mutually beneficial for him to to kind of help Edgy and and Hina and and vice versa because they they all have a vested interest in what happens to to Hina's brother and everything like that. So that that aspect of it is kind of interesting. And then just the the general aspect, I mean, I I I know I kind of read off a quick synopsis of what happens in the episode but maybe didn't explain too much to people who are being introduced to this show for the first time, but like just the idea of the greed themselves, like they they seem to be creatures that focus on preying on people's desires and wants and everything and based on that they they're able to sort of unleash that from people's bodies and like a lot of the times what they'll end up doing is you'll see a human being but then he'll get a big coin slot in his head and they'll drop this this cell metal you know this coin into the slot and then it'll generate this kind of almost mummy like thing that comes out of their bodies that's called a yumi and usually that yumi becomes something very specific eventually you know some kind like, of like the shark you know tokusatsu yeah. yeah like like this one the the fin shark or whatever this kind of and 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 its main objective is to accommodate someone's deepest darkest desire so you know in the case of people that you know i don't know want you know money or something you know maybe that yumi would go rip off a bank or whatever you know like that that kind of notion you know so so in this case parent in question is is like some kind of bomber so so of course the the shark's going around trying to blow stuff up and everything but i mean just I, I think for me, like, even it, it's got that weird dreamlike state where it can be kind of creepy, where I, I don't know if you've had dreams where, like, strange things happen to your body, where it's like, you know, your teeth falls out or, I don't know, just weird stuff happens to it. And, and, and there is that kind of sort of dreamlike quality to the way the greed can manipulate the human body and then also you know, kind of, th th there's this horrible thing that becomes excised from a human being's person, you know, and so that can be kind of just a creepy thing in and of itself, you know, the the, the creation of these Yumis yeah, and everything. It's and, like, and, it's like and the worst part of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I and I, I, you know, like I said, this is something that I've sort of enjoyed watching and and, you know, clearly, you know, you, you can, you can get you know, vested into it fairly quickly, and I, I, I think I have. I mean, I, I enjoy A.G. as a character. I think, I think Hina is cute. You know, I think Ankh is, like you said, he's, he's the guy you love to hate. You know, he's almost got that kind of, you know, Starscream quark kind of sensibility, where you know there are things he does that are not quite always on the up and up, but you kind of want to see him succeed too. And, and the, the villains, you know, the greed. You know they're 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 creepy and weird and and there's there's strange things depending on you know because they 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 cast a a little girl as Mazul so it's like when when she's in her greed form she's kind of uh, an adult you know and the you know in this this kind of kaiju suit or whatever but when she's disguised as a human being you know it's like she's this little schoolgirl but it's this kind of very deliberate and and mean schoolgirl you know like this this kind of 
force of power, but yet there there's a weird sense of motherliness, even though she's portrayed by a little girl for all these other greed type characters who all kind of look like almost like uh, Japanese biker punks or something, I guess, you know, like, so, so there, there, there's an interesting dynamic there and, and they're all kind of, you know, characters that you, you are basically drawn to, you know, like either out of just interest because of how, how disparate they look from what you expect them to be, you know, like you don't expect a little girl to be this, this horrible monster who, who leads a band of, monsters you know yeah, but yet yeah. th- there it is you know yeah and that's like that's one thing that like you know is true of any action story comic book or, or video game you know a hero is only as good as villains and when the villains are really interesting you want to see the hero beat them and you also like justin said if they're really good you know it's like the magneto effect it's like you actually feel bad when something bad happens to them because you're like i got used to you i got used to your evil ways you know <laughs> and of course there is there is like you know as Justin said, not to give anything away for Derek since he is watching this and, and to, to completion. Yeah, there is there's some interesting twists and turns with the greed. You know, it's like, you know, do some of them turn, turn good? Who knows? Do they stay bad? Who knows? Who lives? Who dies? I'm not going to spoil anything. It's it's just fun to watch how the greed progress because they do progress. They do become, you know, even more fleshed out characters. So that, that's really cool. If, if a Yumi came out of me, it would throw double downs at people. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it turned into a, a big, ugly kaiju Colonel Sanders <laughs> and like start chucking around double downs. I think mine would just like, you know, immediately pass out drunk on the corner. <laughs> as far as I go, since I, I, I am like, I guess, like a really huge O's fan. I'm, I'm really glad that like Justin has already seen it before and he's a he's a big fan. And he's one of the reasons why I watched Dino. So I think it was a solid payback to each other that like I watched Dino because of him. And to find out that he liked O's even before I, I'd watched it, it was like kind of like, oh, cool, Secret Brothers. And then for Derek to jump on even later to the game than I did and to be enjoying it, I mean, that should tell you, like, this this is a pretty good show. All right. Well, that, then that's probably a good place to wrap it up on O's. I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about Ultraman Tiga on the other half. And again, it's going to be a... Fanholes Fright Fest 2 Electric Boogaloo type theme, and we're going to be dealing with the episode on Halloween night, so stay tuned. Movies, TV, comics, music, pop culture affidavit has it all. It's everything random in the world of popular culture, and it's all covered by me, Tom Panneries. New episodes drop monthly at 2TrueFreaks.com and be sure to check out blog posts about random pop culture topics at PopCultureAffidavit.com Pop Culture Affidavit, the sworn testimony of a dork. Hey guys, welcome back. So we are here on the back half of Toku Thursday's Fanholes Fright Fest 2 Electric Boogaloo and we're here talking about Ultraman Tiga. We are focusing on episode 8, which is titled On Halloween Night, and this had an original air date of October 26th, 1996. I'll go ahead and read a synopsis, and then we'll discuss a little bit. Strong 
electromagnetic field is detected by the Global Unlimited Task Squad, or GUTS for short, and Captain Megumi Iruma suspects a kaiju. She orders the team to investigate, but to do so in costume, as it is Halloween night. While most of the team is dressed up like the Monster Squad, Daigo Madoka, the secret identity of Ultraman Tiga, is dressed as a super cool Pumpkinhead Man. He and his partner, Reina Yanase, who is dressed as a sexy kitty cat, come across some local children with delicious-looking lollipops. When Daigo asks where they got them from, the kids point him to an old witch lady who is handing them out to all the children. When Daigo tries to get one, the witch refuses him as he is an adult. As Daigo turns to leave, dejected, he notices that the witch lady does not have a reflection in the nearby mirror. When the witch leaves because of Daigo's suspicions, one of the boys, who got two lollipops, one for himself and another for his brother, gives his brothers to Reina because, let's face it, even eight-year-old boys know what's up with the sexy ladies in kitty cat costumes. Daigo pursues the witch as Reina licks her lollipop. Although Daigo loses the witch lady, a haunted house materializes behind him, and Daigo enters to investigate. He goes through a bright white door and finds himself in a playground park. The door behind him suddenly vanishes, and he sees some children playing, but with pale white faces and colorful jester hats. They run from Daigo, or more precisely, a kaiju named Gilanbo, who appears behind Daigo and sucks him up in a purple beam of energy. Meanwhile, the other members of Guts, Deputy Captain Seiichi Munakata, Masami Hori, and Tetsuo Shinjo arrive at the site, but see no haunted house. They begin to perform scans, but find nothing. Jun Yazumi, the rookie member of Guts, tells Captain Megumi Iruma that each year, somewhere in the world, there is a mass disappearance of children on Halloween. Iruma contacts Reina and tells her to keep an eye on all the children. Daigo awakens, stripped to the underclothes in a plastic tube in an arcade. A jester hat child is riding a supermarket horse just outside the tube. Daigo's blaster, called the Guts Hyper, and his spark lens, the device that transforms him from Daigo to Tiga, are also on a table outside of the plastic prison. The witch enters through a dimensional doorway, walks up to the child, and drains the child's dreams, which vanish from the multiple TV screens in the arcade. The witch lady then banishes the child to the dream graveyard. This is the same park Daigo had seen earlier. Daigo's tube then fills up with gas as the witch heckles and leaves through the dimensional doorway, indicating she will not eat the dreams of adults because she finds them unpalatable. The witch plays a song, and all of the children who are given lollipops begin to get out of bed in the middle of the night and congregate to the haunted house. Reina also sleepwalks back at Guts headquarters. Luckily, Shinjo sees Reina pass by, and she passes out briefly in his arms. When she comes to, she tells Captain Aruma about the lollipop and the old witch lady. Captain Aruma instructs Yazumi to contact the local patrol officer. Then the team noticed Daigo's absence, and Reina mentions he too was investigating the old witch lady. 
Then Jun Yazumi picks up a large space distortion in the center of the magnetic field on the computer monitor that he compares to a black hole. Guts deploys in the fighter jet called the Guts Wing, and a huge pumpkin vehicle arises from the ground in the magnetic field. Nearby, a silent procession of children walk towards the pumpkin mouth. The witch lady arises from the top of the pumpkin head, telling the kids to ride the pumpkin and come to the world of dreams as she cackles incessantly. Gut's team members rush in to restrain the hypnotized kids, and Tetsuo Shinjo shoots at the witch with his Guts hyper, causing her to retreat into the pumpkin ship. Although that seems to snap the kids out of the trance, the pumpkin ship's eyes glow red and begins to sink into the black hole. Daigo breaks out of the plastic tube prison as the pumpkin begins to submerge. Daigo then manages to grab his spark lens and transforms to Tiga, lifting the pumpkin ship out of the black hole and back to reality. The witch lady transforms herself into the kaiju from earlier, Jilambo, and battles Ultraman Tiga over a moon that looks like a pumpkin head. Jilambo uses illusions to confuse Tiga, as well as uses instant transmission, and finally gangbangs Tiga by using Shadow Clone Jutsu. Eventually, Tiga's red light indicator begins to flash, but then he concentrates and manages to use his timer flash, which is a flash of light from his color timer that erases illusions. How convenient! Now, with only one opponent to face, Tiga quickly dispatches Jilanbo using the Ultra Fix, which means that Tiga can fire a beam from his palm that will hold an enemy in place frozen so they cannot move. Followed by the Zeppelion Ray, Tiga's finishing move. The dreams then sprinkle down from the sky like little fireflies, and the children's dreams are returned to them. The Guts team has the final word, noting that to make dreams come true, one must deal with the real world first. End of episode laughter! <laughs> and that is the end of On Halloween Night, the eighth episode of Ultraman Tiga. Ultraman. Time to battle, battle, opposition, lots of danger. Ammunition, shifting minutes and moves. Ultraman torches, blasting beams, competitive streams of power, speed, and army beyond me. No transform, super giant galactic. Ultra hero, fantastic defender with guts. Upper guts to my five, 12 stories high. When super is just not enough. I will say, like, you know, as far as just something to point out, while O's did take place on Halloween as well, I mean, the 31st is when it was aired. Like, I will say that Tiga, I don't know if this is a better episode than O's because I really like O's, but as far as if you wanted a centric Halloween episode, this was a very Halloween y episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, witches and haunted houses and kind of, you know, trick-or-treating and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's interesting because they have a scene where they talk about how the, the Guts team members, basically, that are on patrol, they talk about how these, I mean, essentially what Western holidays are celebrated in Japan, like, you know, every year. So it's like, you know, it's like they talk about Halloween and Christmas, you know? So it's like that's why there's so many of these episodes to choose from if we want to cover them during 
these holiday seasons because it, it seems to be a primary focus. Yeah, you know? I will say, because I imagine you and Justin probably have more to say about this as being bigger Ultraman fans. But I, I know you have a little bit of disdain for uh, Tiga, Derek. I know it's not your favorite series. You don't hate it, but it's it's definitely not a, not a, a series that you were like, yeah, hell yeah, Tiga. But you have also said this is one of the better ones of the run. And I, I think it was a perfectly fine episode. You know, the, the, the villain was, you know, creepy enough to, to be a threat. It was a little cheesy, not in a, in a, a way that turned me off. And, and again, you know, I find myself when I do watch Ultraman, it seems to me like the Ultraman hero, while, you know, badass when he's Ultraman and, you know, a, a cool guy when he's, you know, in his human form... I do find myself more appealed to to whatever the Ultraman forces, whatever their team name is. You know, the the guts members in this they they were fun. You know, I, I enjoyed them, and I you know I wonder if that's just going to be a trope when I watch Ultraman with you guys. Is like, am I going to like the team more than the the main hero all the time? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I I mean it's weird. Like this this show. I I mean I feel like it's definitely worth discussing, but. I, I feel like I'm on a different end of the show because the, I I don't dislike the show, but I, I do kind of feel like, I, I mean, I hate to bring up the word, but I, I do feel like it's the dreaded B word. Like, like a, a lot of times I watch the show and it's like background noise or boring, like, because I don't, I, I for some reason, it's like, maybe it's still has that kind of typical Ultraman formula. Like this is, this is a show that's definitely not to be binge watched. Like this is, this is still, and, and what's interesting is this, this came out in 1996. One of the other things that's kind of famous about this show is it's, you know, beyond the original Ultraman and Ultra seven and some of the earlier shows that were dubbed for Western audiences like one Tiga is the first show after a long ass sort of drought of Ultraman TV shows. I mean basically after Ultraman 80 and that anime where it was like the Ultraman which is, you know, commonly known as Jonius, like there there was no Ultraman on TV for a long ass, I mean, that what is that like sixteen years? I mean, fifteen years? That's like a long ass time. I mean, that that's why a lot of people compare this to Doctor Who, you know, because it's 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 kind of the same thing where you know after, you know, I, I mean, I guess you can count, you know, the 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 Fox TV movie or whatever, but you know, after Sylvester McCoy, essentially, there's this long ass period where there was no doctor who on tv really until christopher eccleston so in some ways like tiga is like the christopher eccleston of of ultraman you know yeah. and like I, I i don't know how to explain it though but japan like ultraman tiga is huge in japan like like back me up on this justin right like like they 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 love this show right yeah, for, for for whatever reason, I don't I don't know because I'm I'm not crazy about it either. But yeah, it, it, especially if you have some kind of like Ultraman centric event and a bunch of Ultras are going to show up, it, nine times out of ten, Tiga's is going to be there with the original Ultraman. Like those those are the two that people like seem to like want to show up. Original Ultraman, which I get that, 
and then Tiga. And I'm just like, what? Why Tiga? Why he sucks? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 interesting because Tiga, like, I mean, he's the first of the the Heisei era Ultraman. So I I mean, in some ways, I kind of get that. I mean, I, I'm kind of equi- it's weird because Common Rider doesn't have. I mean, everybody does love Common Rider Black, so yeah, it's like Common Rider doesn't have as much of a definitive drought as as Ultraman does. Really, you know what I mean? Like, like because they were still doing stuff up until the late 80s at least right so i mean i don't even know if i don't know if if common rider black rx is equitable to ultraman tiga because tiga it's weird because like part of me wants to say like in terms of just ultraman like this was a groundbreaking show because it was the first ultraman who didn't just have red and silver costume it was the first ultraman who had multiple forms you know, you had Tiga has like a power form and a flight form, you know, and it's like or or a speed form or whatever you want to call it. But like basically, you know, one was the uh, I mean, to me, it looks perp or it looks blue. But a lot of the, the text I've seen has described it as, you know, Tiga has a purple and red outfit. And then when he turns into he picks one over the other, you know, the strength is is the red form and the the speed is the the purple form or whatever, you know? So you've got a guy who basically has multiple forms and it's the first time they ever did that in Ultraman. Whereas I'm kind of thinking about, you know, black and black RX and well, all the different forms that he had. Right. A lot of people, a lot of people also say that Agito is the actual real beginning of Heisei. Right, right, right. I mean, I mean, most people still consider black and black RX to yeah. be Showa era common writer, you know? So it's like, it's like I, I guess what I'm I, I'm trying to get at though is it, it's like you can't quite say in Tokusatsu like just in general it's not like Ultraman influenced Common Rider to have multiple forms because clearly like Black and Black RX had multiple forms long before Tiga came along but in terms of just Ultraman like it's kind of groundbreaking because it's the first time they had multiple forms but i mean it still kind of fits your your traditional ultraman formula i mean the the main differences are this is not in that original ultraman universe i mean tiga is considered an alternate universe and in some ways i end up comparing tiga to gundam wing because i'm like it's an au it kind of retells the original ultraman story but kind of doesn't and also you know it can be pretty. I don't. I don't know what the right word is. You know, just just pretty excruciating to to watch sometimes. You know, where you, you it's got those patches of, you know, kind of let's get on with this. You know, type thing like that. I I feel like maybe a lot of '90s anime has. You know, like where you're like, I you know maybe it was just a rut that the writers were in or the way things were were designed to be watched on a weekly basis or whatever, but. I mean, there's a few other episodes that I've seen in this show now, and and I've almost completed watching all of Ultraman Tiga, but like Kamen Rider O's, I haven't completely finished watching every single episode. So, I mean, unless the last, you know, 10 or so episodes, like, totally kick my ass, like, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number of episodes of Tiga that stood out to me. You know, and and this is you know to be perfectly honest, this is one of them. 
I mean, I, I think this is a pretty solid episode and one that I actually found memorable and enjoyed and was one of the reasons why I suggested it for the Halloween episode. But I, I, I think in the, you know, the grand scheme of things, like I, I kind of tend to, you know, either agree with myself or, 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 or confirm what Justin is saying that, that I, I'm not, you know, you know, I guess, you know, if you, if you sat Ultramantiga in front of me, you know, it's like, it's like that Star Trek adage where it's like, well, I'd, you know, I'd rather watch Star Trek or, or Tiga than, you know, have to sit through some horrible, you know, movie or whatever. But at the same time, you know, it's like, if it's between, you know, Wrath of Khan and, you know, Ultra Galaxy or whatever, you know, Antigua, it's like, well, I'd rather watch, you know, Mega Monster Battle because it kicks so much ass, you know. Do, do you think it also might have been tainted by, like, the fact that, like, Tiga did air in the U.S. on the Fox box, and it was a terrible dub. You know what, I've been trying to track down, and, you know, I was trying to see if, if and this episode may have very well been dubbed, but... I, I've only, I, I mean, I mentioned this to Justin off air. I've only been able to track down maybe nine or ten episodes on a YouTube channel that have that old Fox Box dub. And, like, I, it's interesting because it sounds like from what I've read about it, they they had a hard time deciding whether to take the dub seriously or to play it for yucks. Yeah, I like Mass Rider. And it may have gone back and forth between the direction the actors were given you know like maybe at one point they're like no no no, this has to be like totally serious and maybe at another point they're like you know what have some fun with it like it's it's a dub like people are obviously it's for not kids. Gonna yeah. take it seriously or whatever it's for kids like that kind of thing so i i mean to my knowledge like only 20 something episodes were dubbed in english and this is like this i think it had like one season and then it wasn't even like a full season. Yeah, and so and so this series is you know uh, approximately you know fifty or so episodes, so uh, or, or maybe even forty something episodes, but still like the the whole the whole run of it was not dubbed. I mean, I, I think it's fun to look back now and just be amused by the dub, but I I don't think that has any effect on how I view the series as a whole, just because I I think it's. It's kind of all over the place. I mean, I mean, this, th like you said, this is kind of, I mean, it's, it, th there's some peril, but it's not quite super heavy or serious. Like, you know, some early Showa era Ultraman shows, but there are some other ones that get a little artsy fartsy, kind of like the episode of Ultraman Max that <laughs> yeah. we watched. There's some episodes that, that get really deep and heavy where it's like, it's weird that you're watching the same show from episode to episode because you can have something that's like light and stupid and fluffy, and then you can have something where a couple episodes in a row, like by the end of it, people die and you're super depressed. You know, so it's like I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting because it's like the the it does seem like there's not a the, the tone of the show sometimes changes and fluctuates, even though it is part of a a formulaic structure of, you know, here's the Guts team, here's the problem, here's the big monster, here's Ultraman. Ultraman does his, you know, whammy on the, the monster, flies off, and, and then, you know, saves the day. And, I mean, it's still, it, it still fits within the confines of that formula, but every once in a while, like, you know, you're sitting there going, well, 
wait during the monster fight they turn it into a like a, a a japanese theater production so it's like instead of the typical you know tokusatsu action battle between ultraman tiga and you know a kaiju monster it's like you hear like the the cracking of like bamboo wood as they the two guys clash together and you can clearly see it's like shot on a stage you know <laughs> so it's almost like weird they're doing like they're doing like no theater but with like ultraman or something you know like and and it's like that that you know there, there's a couple episodes where they have some sort of experimentation and there's there's episodes where it still fits within the you know the formula but it's a little different but it, i you know i don't know it's 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 something where I, I, you know, just to be honest, it's kind of a chore to watch through the entire series. It really is. I remember being very excited for the dub because, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. Like, I was a huge fan of Ultra Seven, and I watched that all the time on TNT, like early morning. So, like, when I saw a commercial, I was like, a new Ultraman, and like on Fox. So, like, this is gonna be awesome. I remember being really excited, and then you know the the great day arrived and i watched it and i was just like i felt kind of like crusty the the clown in that episode where he's just like he looks off the camera he's like what the hell was that <laughs> like that's, that's kind of what i felt like i was just like what is this like, i mean i i stuck with it for a while i was just like okay you know er, every show has a bad episode and as far as uh goes like usually the first episodes are not that great because you're throwing a lot of different characters and concepts at the audience and some of it doesn't stick or land but i was like okay i'll just you know i'll keep watching because it's ultraman and kind of like derek mentioned like after a while it just kind of became background noise when i remember like i would just kind of look at the tv and be like oh what are they doing uh they're just they're, they're talking and they're kind of walking around and stuff and i'd be like mm, okay gonna gonna get up i'm gonna make a sandwich and you know, gonna gonna go feed the cat, gonna go check the mail, and then come back and like, oh, they're they're still talking, okay. And then like, oh, well, wait, we have an Ultraman's around. <laughs> yeah, like okay, the last like three minutes they're gonna fight, and then after a while, I think I didn't even like bother watching it. But then you know, you know, with the internet and and everything, I found it was subbed. I was like, well, okay, like just you know, sub like this. The sub has to be better than that horrible dub, right? And I remember, you know, downloading it and again being excited. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like the the sub's clearly gonna be superior. And like watching a couple episodes and like trying to stay awake, I'm just like, man, like this really is a chore to get through. Like <laughs> and, and when Derek suggested we watch an episode of Tiga, I was just like, oh man, Tiga and it, it's been a while since it's been a while since I watched any Tiga and I was like, wait, I don't I had no memory of any of the characters except for Raina, and it's because of what Derek said earlier, because she's the cute one and everything like that. She's the only character that stuck out in my mind, like, you know, the main guy who turns into Ultraman Tiga, like Daigo, like, he's just a white blank cutout in my head. I'm like, what's he do? Like, what's his personality? Like, what's his, what are his traits? I'm just like, nothing blank i'm just like and the others are blanks and i'm like and then and then there's Raina chan and she's cute and let's derek is definitely stuck with it longer than me because i think i got the episode like 26 or something and i was just i kind of like threw my hands up in the air i was like that's it i'm out i'm logging out of this i can't take any more tiga 
Derek's been trying to like soldier on. I'm just like, good luck with that, sir. Like I, I had to like call it quits. I couldn't take anymore. <laughs> well, I think, I think part of that is main, mainly due to the fact that I ended up, cause I, I think originally I had bought just the one DVD, you know, with the, you know, they're all two disc sets, but that first DVD had like the first 13 episodes. And I bet back when I first got that, I probably did the same thing that I'm doing with it now, which is just plug it in, kind of do other things while it's on in the background and kind of look up every once in a while. And keep in mind, this is subtitled. So it's like most times when something's subtitled, you usually want to explicitly like pay close yeah, attention yeah. to it. But this... This, it's like, you know, I, I still kind of treat it like background noise where I look up every once in a while, see what's going on and kind of pay attention to the show. But I, I guess in, in, in deference to Tony's earlier question, I don't know if so much the Fox box had an effect on my, my anticipation of the show or, or, or did anything to affect my opinion of the show, but I, I'm willing to bet that because volume three of this set is out of well they're all out of print now but i i can tell you that volume one two and four especially volume one and four were a lot easier to come by than volume two and three and it took me a really long time before i had all four volumes and so maybe that and combined with how much people have to pay on the aftermarket to get those two disc sets that may have had some impact on me going like what is that's it like this is it like that, that how many kind episodes of do you get per disc notion. like three or four or what no 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 you, you i mean it's 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 a two disc set where usually you get about you know 13 ish episodes okay. so it's like it's I, I think it's like i think it's like a 40 something episode series and so it's it's almost like you you watch like you know between you know ten and 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 I don't know thirteen episodes for every every DVD set. So I mean it's not they don't skimp on what? episodes, but I'm I'm just kind of saying like you know it, it's too bad. I kind of wish that they had included the, the the only thing I remember being disappointed by, and I knew about this a long time ago because I had that first volume a really long time ago. But I, I had kind of wished that they had the dub and the sub on on the dvd sets but they only actually have the subtitled version on the dvd sets there are like extras where i'm sitting there in disbelief because they have these like like rap songs of like ultraman <laughs> Tiga that they aired as like what promotional commercials on the fox what? box or whatever so yeah yeah and i'm just like what is this like you know, it's like, he's Ultraman Tiga, you know, or whatever. And I was just like, okay, like, that's, uh, I, I don't know if that took off with the kids or not. But, uh, you know, to me, it's just one of those things that you look back on and you're kind of like, okay, like, I, uh, I guess, you know, whatever you guys yeah, want to do. I still remember the same song. It was like, I don't remember the whole thing. I just remember the end part where it's like, Ultraman Tiga. <laughs> Derek, did you ever get any of those comics from Dark Horse? I I know of them. I haven't read them in a while, but but I mean I remember the the it was like what like about four issues. I think it was right? actually like ten or eleven actually. Huh. I I read Hero Zero from Comics Greatest World. Does that count? <laughs> well, the, the reason I asked Derek about Tiga thing mainly 
was because that was something that actually factored in my common rider experience because I watched Bast Rider and it was just so bad. It was not good. We've talked about it many times. Furbis is still in the annals of like, you know, fan holes, hatred, you know, he's, he's right up there with Jar Jar Binks. You know, it turned me off Common Rider for a long time, not even knowing about it. Because people would be like, you know, hey, man, Common Rider's pretty good. Like something like, you know, there was like, you know, the really violent, you know, movie. And, you know, I, Common Rider Black is a really good series. Black RX is a good series. And I, like, just because of that show, I was like, eh, I'm not interested. And I watched, you know, Black and Black RX on my own. And I was like, holy shit, this is nothing at all. <laughs> like, you know, fucking Common Rider, Masked Rider. With Power Rangers, it was different. Power Rangers and Sentai is closer in some ways and i think i think that's because like the storylines are usually you know tweaked and different because it's american actors you know and suit you know actors but it seems to have the same flavor in a way but like with ultraman like when i saw tegon foxbox i, I think it did the same thing that like mess rider did it like just turned me off on ultraman and the ones i watched on this show like i said like you know uh, ultraman max you know i was like I might, you know, actually watch some more episodes of that. So, you know, like sometimes those dubs can really kind of taint your uh, viewpoint of like, you know, how how good, like, you know, like Justin was saying, you know, he's like, I want to watch the sub. The sub's got to be better. But it does make me feel bad. Even with Tiga, like the sub is still kind of like, yeah, still not great. <laughs> I, I I feel like it's worth having a discussion, like, because I, I, I don't want to sound super negative about things, but it's one of those instances where I've noticed personally about myself, like I love Showa era stuff and I like quote unquote millennium era stuff. And it seems to go across the board. Like it's not special or exclusive to Ultraman. Like I don't like Heisei era Ultraman very much. I mean, like, like I said, it's like one of those things where it's like, yes, I'll, uh, you know, I'd rather watch Star Trek Voyager than watch some, stupid romantic comedy with reese witherspoon like that's that's fine i'd rather watch ultraman tiga than a julia roberts movie you know like that that's that's a given but if 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 you sit in front of me and go would you rather watch you know original star trek or deep space nine like the you know seasons four through seven you know i'm like oh yes absolutely because those are those are the good ones those are the money seasons you know and and it's like for me you know, the money Ultraman stuff is like the Millennium stuff. It's like, you know, I, I'd want to watch, you know, Max and Nexus and, you know, Mobius and, and uh, all that kind of good stuff, you know? And, and, and when, when I start thinking about the Heisei era Ultraman, it's like, it's kind of like what I think now, because I haven't seen too much of it, about the, the common writer Heisei era stuff, where I'm like, I know Agito from Tony, but then it's like, it's like what Kabuto and 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 I you know uh, I, I, yeah you know I don't know I I guess my point is is like Tiga Gaia and you know all the different Heisei era Ultramen like they almost kind of like I I don't want to say they all look alike but it's it's almost like you know a lot of that stuff is almost interchangeable and then you get into and and I think he falls into this too, which explains some of my distaste. Is you you kind of even though I guess strictly speaking he's Millennium, but I feel like Cosmos is still part of that Heisei era where it's like 
you just want to be a hippie and like talk to monsters and not blow them up and stuff. And, and, you know, there's, there's that aspect to it. But I, I guess my point was, I, I kind of feel the same way about like Heisei era Godzilla movies. It's like, I, I prefer Showa era or the Millennium era movies to the Heisei era movies. But I don't know if that's, I, I, I don't know if you guys can speak to that at all or, or, you know, kind of offer any, opinions or anything on that kind of statement um as far as ultraman no because i like i said you guys are much more well-versed in ultraman but as a kid you know the kid part of me i watched tons of showa era godzilla movies and i really have not seen like hardly any like heisei era godzilla movies and i would love to say that's just because you know i don't have the ways to see them but i totally do i have the internet I just haven't had any interest in them. I like Ultraman Gaia. Like I, that's on Crunchyroll, and I watched it. And for the most part, I enjoyed it. There was a stretch in the middle of about ten episodes where, you know, I kind of had to power through those. But other than that, like it's a pretty enjoyable show. I thought I haven't seen any of uh, Dinah, and I've not seen any of Cosmos. I like Derek keeps bringing up Cosmos, and I'm just like, I gotta watch this and see. Like I, you know, it. I gotta see, like, you know, if it is what Derek says it is, and how, you know, if it's just like that bad. As far as like, you know, Common Rider goes, like, I haven't seen a lot of those early high state shows. Like, I've seen Fies, which I really like. And I like Fies. Yeah, and I've seen about half of Blade, and I like Blade, but like when it comes to like early Heisei Common Rider, like Tony probably has like the edge as far as knowledge goes. But, like, as for, like, Heisei Godzilla, like, I don't mind those movies. Like, I know a lot of people will kind of, like, you know, talk crap about them and, you know, say that they're just, you know, they're just being battles. Like, that's the one of the big complaints. Like, I I really don't have a problem with those movies. I don't know. Like, I, I just – I can put in Destroya or, you know, Space Godzilla, which I think Space Godzilla is the weakest of that cycle of films. But like, I can put it in any of those and just sit down and watch it. Like, I don't, maybe there's something wrong with me or something. I don't know. But like, I just, I, I think maybe what it is is like, I, I was, you know, teenager or almost a teenager when those were like being shown on Sci-Fi Channel. And I think I just have a lot of like fond memories of just sitting down one Saturday or Sunday evening and watching those and just being like, wow, like this is, this is a Godzilla movie I've never seen before. And just kind of like, you know being like a little fanboy about them but like i you know i i enjoy those like honestly the only ones i don't like is like i don't like godzilla versus the sea monster i i i could understand that that's probably the weakest of the the showa era movies for me and then i don't like the one with crap the little kid and Gab gabra oh, oh um, yeah i don't like revenge that. the other ones yeah. i can watch i i i kind of love the one with revenge because it's kind of like home alone with like cool <laughs> 70s jazz music you know like, uh, I, I kind of like that. I don't even mind Minya. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I think the best way to explain it is there's a sense of, of malaise and, and kind of lethargy. Like, when you're watching some of those 90s era Japanese stuff. Like, I just feel like, it, it, to me, it's like, it, I get that same sense when, like, I get to the midpoint of Gundam Wing where you're like, Fuck me, dude. When is this shit gonna pick up? You know, like Hero and like and like that. That's kind of what I feel. I I guess to to equate it, like I kind of felt like that 
like the entire time I was watching Ultraman Tiga. And like to be really specific, it's like I kind of I I have those nostalgic feels for Godzilla 1985. So like watching the Japanese version is fun for me. Yeah. And versus Biolante is fine for me. But I think once I get past those movies, like they all kind of feel like, come on, man, like when when are you gonna get to the mothra Ghidorah shit please like when fuck this telepathic bitch girl or whatever like get on with the (laughs) you leave mickey alone (laughs) get on with the fucking movie Uh, you know well well, i mean i think we had the same kind of thing about sentai too because like one of the shows that all of us really enjoyed was go kaiger and why did we like go kaiger because it had a lot of references to old sentai shows and you know, like that—that's—that's that's, you know what it was. It was an anniversary, and I don't know if you noticed. Like I, I'm, I myself am enjoying Q Ranger. I know a lot of people say it's stupid. I, I like it. I know you guys have no problem with it, but like a lot of the shows, like the Ninja, you know, Zyogre, like I just, I just didn't get into them. They just, they did not like. I would like Zyogre. I watched like two or three episodes. Sentai, Sentai seems to sort of break that curse for me because I, I would be willing to bet, like, because it's like I. I you know, Showa era Sentai is very formulaic, but I haven't watched any Showa era Sentai that I don't like. Yeah. Whereas the I, I'd say Heisei era Sentai that seems to be unequivocally really good, right? Like because what you've got like Jetman and then everything that became yeah. Power Rangers, right? Like Zoo Ranger, Ranger and, yeah. and Die Ranger. I mean that's all essentially Heisei, and like those shows are really great. I I, I think conversely like maybe after go kaiger like some of the newer millennium stuff is when it starts to sort of dovetail for just for my personal interest no, I agree. but i yeah, agree, not, I don't I agree know. that too yeah because what was after go kaiger i can't even remember go busters uh, go busters and then it was uh super sentai dinosaur agu-agu, agu-agu, agu-agu. i can't even say it it's 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 a uh, dino charge, and then after I, that it was the, huh? I I like that one actually. The dinosaur ones, I like that one. Yeah, Kai, Kaiura Yuger, that it? And then there was the ninja, which I just did not like at all, and and Zyogre, which like like you guys, you know, I mean, we all watched like the first few episodes, and we we're like, oh, this could be really good, and then I just lost all interest into it. It was then, just like, and then you forgot uh, Tokyo the train one. Oh yeah, I heard that was really popular in Japan too, though. I didn't. I, I have no feelings for it, bad or good. I like the uh, the Gaim and Tokyuger crossover movie, but uh, yeah, like yeah, I think I think there is like you know there's these these. What I'm getting at, I guess I would say, is I, I do agree. There's these like these stints where it does seem to be series after series after series where you're just like, eh, not not my thing, not not something I like. And like, do do the uh, Derek or Justin? I, I don't, I I don't know how much Justin is a fan of Ultraman. I know he's a bigger fan than I am, but uh, like, are the the uh, the pre predecessor and the uh, you know, what after Tiga like good shows or? It's funny the predecessor doesn't really count because I mean it was like fifteen years since there was an Ultraman show, so it would be good to you. So yeah, and then the the successor would be. Dinah, which I haven't seen, and then 
The one after that I already mentioned is Gaia, which I like most of Gaia. It's it's weird because when they have those, I, I've seen those team up movies because I I ended up getting those DVDs first. But it was like one of those things where it's like you haven't seen any of the other shows, so it's like I've seen you know Gaia and Dinah in other movies, but I've never sat down and watched their series. You know, so it's like I you you get a vague idea of who those characters are in the movies, but you don't have the same context as you would had you seen you know their entire you know fifty odd episode series <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, that's why I like talking to you guys about Ultraman because it, it just it's just one of the things I didn't really get into that much, and like you know, hearing you guys you know expound upon these these Ultraman series that are really good, I, I probably should check out. You know, I mean, well, I the one I would recommend to you would be Nexus. Like I know Derek would back me up, but like I really liked Nexus a lot. Like I really got into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, we we did watch. I know the first episode of that on this show. So, because when when I watched the we first did, episode yeah, of Agito, like I had Tony watch the the first episode of Nexus, so that's that's definitely something that we've we've tried to expose one another to. I, I think I actually yeah. even said that like I actually enjoyed Nexus, and actually I haven't had a chance, you know, so many hours in the day, as they say. But if if like you know, I thought about, it, I had to think about it. But if it was like, huh, I could watch Nexus episode two tonight, I wouldn't be like you know, uh, I don't want to though. That's like a slog. I'd be like. No, I forgot about that show. Let's let's check it out. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that that show is definitely when they started tweaking that formulaic vibe for Ultraman, where you know it was written by people that normally wrote anime, and they you know wrote for a sort of binge-worthy watch, where you know they had a continuing narrative, whether it's like something like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine or you know, whatever anime show you can think of where they, they told sort of this novella type story as opposed to, you know, problem, you know, special squad gets involved, they can't do anything, big monster shows up, Ultraman shows up, and, you know, rinse, repeat, you know, like, whereas, you know, the I think Nexus was definitely a show that broke it, that Well, mold. I was about to say, is that like, because, again, I am woefully uh uneducated on ultraman compared to you guys is is the squad being a thing in ultraman like something that happens every every series yeah yeah pretty much i mean there's there's they they, they may go by different names depending on what universe it's in and all that kind of stuff but basically you know the science patrol for you know for uh an all-encompassing term there there's always some form of the science patrol in in every ultraman series Okay, cool. Well, yeah, like I said, I actually like the, the, the Tiga team. I know you and Justin both said they didn't really stand out to you too much except for, what was her, what was her name, Justin? Rena-chan. Rena-chan. Rena. You gotta like Rena because she dresses up like a sexy kitty cat and in another episode she gets possessed by an alien, but she's like in like, I don't know, like a sauna or something, so she's all like, you know, uh, uh, watered down and looks like super hot, even though she's possessed by an alien, <laughs> so... You know, you gotta you gotta remember her for the most part. I I will say this about Guts: Guts has some cool jackets. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give him that. You know, helmets are pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and I noticed stuff like that. Maybe that's why I like them. I'm like, oh, they actually look like you know science police or whatever you want to say. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as Tiga goes, 
I I don't know if I would go into it more. This episode was fun, though. I, I think it was the Halloween vibe, you know, got me into the spirit of the season. And, and the witch costume before, you know, he or she or it, it's a monster. So I guess, you know, gender doesn't really matter. Like, it does look like, you know, an old school witch, you know, that you would see like on like a Halloween poster and stuff. So it, it was definitely, uh, I guess the best word to say is it was a charming episode. It was like, you know, it was some, it, it would be like one of those episodes, like when Halloween rolls around and, you know, I have friends over and I'm like, let's watch some Halloween stuff. I have friends who like, you know, eclectic stuff. I have to watch, you know, Charlie Brown is the great pumpkin in every year. And if I was like, hey, you want to watch this like, you know, Japanese, you know, toku show that has like a Halloween theme, they'd probably be totally down and be like, yeah, let's check it out. And I think that they would really enjoy it. So, I mean, it does have, especially for the theme of the season, it, it does a really good job of telling that story. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, I, th- I think this is certainly the the one of the better showings of Ultramantiga. And and it's certainly a competently told story and episode and everything. Now, as far as saying that that makes me enthusiastic about the series as a whole, like, you know, the, the series as an entire entity, that's sort of another story. But focusing specifically on this episode, I mean, I would definitely give it good marks as far as, you know, maybe an introductory thing to to get yourself acclimated to, you know, an Ultraman style show and episode and that kind of thing. And let us never speak of Tiga again. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say there, there is a later episode in the series where vampires show up. So conceivably we could be, we could be doing this next year. Re up on our Halloween again. <laughs> Ultraman Tiga takes you inside the future of global defense. The secrets of this superhero are stored here. Accessing Ultraman Fine. We'll wrap this up. And of course, we're going to still be continuing our Fan Holes Fright Fest 2 Electric Boogaloo coverage all month here. But this is going to wrap up this episode of Toku Thursdays. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Toku Thursdays. If you have, we would appreciate you checking out any of our other spin-off shows, such as Sentai Saturdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, comic books, motherfucker, do you read them? And, of course, the Fan Holes podcast proper. We can be found on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream us. We're on iTunes. We appreciate any reviews we get there. We are on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the likes and feedback and tweets and retweets and notes and all the cool stuff that we get there. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off, sleepwalking into a big giant pumpkin head. This is Justin. And this is Tony. And one thing we didn't talk about on O's that I really want to get, man, I really want to ride vendor motorcycle.
I think it's funny that we were talking about a show that I really like, and you know, it's a it's a genre I'm very familiar with. But now we're going to be talking about a, a genre Derek is much more familiar with than me. But it's a show he doesn't like that much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I looked for that on Figure Arts, like, after I was watching the show for a while, and I, well, it was kind of sad that they have a vending machine for sale, but not the actual motorcycle for sale. So, Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, well, we'll get there one day with technology. I mean, I, I want an actual one. I want to actually be able to, like, go to a soda machine, put in a couple of metals, and actually have a motorcycle and two seconds later. a motorcycle to drive around in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> nice. So say we not.